Well, you know, Johnny always wore black, and he uh, he wore black because he identified with the the poor and the uh, and the, and, the, and the downtrodden. And run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Go tell that long tongue liar, go and tell that midnight rider, tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter, tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Tell them that God's gonna cut them down Well, my goodness gracious, let me tell you the news My head's been wet with the midnight dew I've been down on bended knee Talking to the man from Galilee He spoke to me with a voice so sweet I thought I heard the shuffle of angels sweet He called my name and my heart stood still when he said, John, go do my will Go tell that long-tongued liar Go and tell that midnight rider Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter Tell him that God's gonna cut him down Tell him that God's gonna cut him down You can run on for a long time Run on for a long time Run on for a long time Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Well, you may throw your rock, hide your hand, working in the dark against your fellow man. But as sure as God made black and white, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell him that God's gonna cut you down. Tell him that God's gonna cut you down. Tell him that God's gonna cut you down. Try to get some answers out of the Senator Lindsey Graham, who supports this and is here now. You got to be kidding me, Senator. Did you read this? Uh, yeah, I don't think I support the Restrict Act. <laughs> you don't support this because you were named as one of the supporters, because this is garbage. Well, is this the one with John? There's two bills out there. One allows a review of businesses that, that are connected to China, give the Secretary the ability to protect our data. Uh, is that the Restrict Act? We got S-686 right here, yeah. March 7th. Mm -hmm. And we got a bunch of Republicans supporting it because this thing is crazy town. You don't want yeah. the government looking into your private phone. No, I don't. If and they, they have can't. a hunch you're colluding with the <laughs> Russians, we remember how yeah, that turned that's out. That's right.
Yeah, no, well, the Constitution trumps a statute. So let me come back and, uh, you know, give you a better explanation. Here's the problem as I see it. Uh, China is the parent company of TikTok, and my nieces like TikTok. I don't mind them using TikTok. I just don't want the Chinese government to seize all their data and manipulate the information America sees uh, for political purposes. China is helping drug cartels in Mexico. China is not a friend. The Chinese espionage is an all-time high against American business interests. So I want to push back against China, but within a constitutional framework. You're right about that. So uh, you made these allegations, and I'll come answer better next time. All right, well, I mean, because on Congress.gov, you're listed as one of the co-sponsors of this thing. Maybe it's like Fetterman when your chief of staff <laughs> does be. all your work for Could you. <laughs> but, Senator, you got to go back and talk to these other senators about this. Yeah. This thing is nuts, and yeah. it's going to get abused like it always does. So we got to yeah. clean this up. Can we clean this up? Well, yeah, I mean, number one, yeah, I'll give you a better explanation I'm giving you. Uh, John Thune's got a bill to make sure the Secretary of Commerce can deal with this, not just TikTok, but the general idea that China, we're under attack by China. Now, that's a fact. Chinese uh, Communist Party is stealing American data, espionage against American businesses is at all-time high. According to the FBI, this is the number one challenge they face. China is providing drug uh, precursors to make fentanyl in Mexico that's killing Americans. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to push back against China being able to steal your data, but I want to do it in a constitutionally sound manner. So the problem is real with China, but the solution can be more damaging than the problem is sort of what you're yeah, telling you know, me. You know, don't That's push what back you're telling me. on the United States citizens yeah, no, I, I for something China's doing. All right? no, I, to I totally get that. And constitutionally, we can't do all the things you just said. So let me get back with you, but let me just yeah, end get with back this. with me because you co-sponsored it two days ago. Okay. Senator. All right. Yep. See, makes me look bad. I don't know a better explanation. All right. Uh, my bad. But I will say this about China. China is really a threat to America at multiple levels. The fentanyl coming in from Mexico, they have a direct link to that. It's coming out of China. I want to make Mexican drug cartels foreign terrorist organizations. I want to protect American data from Chinese manipulation by the Communist Party. Uh, that's my intent. And if this bill doesn't, if it goes beyond that, I'll come on your show and say, uh, my bad. All right. Well, it goes way beyond that. But we like the other bill you're behind about designating <laughs> the terrorists down yeah, there in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. I like right. that. All, All right, right, Tanner. Thanks Thank you very, very much. much. Senator, we appreciate David Penn here. Welcome back to the Professor Penn podcast. Um, I want to thank our sponsors, TireGet.com. If you need tires, you might as well buy them from TireGet and support the movement. All the tires you need at the right price. ThePrecinctStrategy.com. For those of you, and I hope it's every one of you, that get off the couch and get in the game of politics, the Precinct Strategy website, PrecinctStrategy.com, will give you the tutorial you need to get in the game, get a seat at the table, be a player, practice American citizenship such that we might preserve our freedoms. Thank you to Free People Radio. This is Free People Radio. We're back. We're growing. And uh, we're astounded, just astounded at the news. I'm sure you are too, because uh, just when we think things are settling down, have a bank crisis, two weeks later, guess what? President Trump's indicted. Okay, great. President Trump is indicted. So I have something to say. To all the people in Minnesota that I'm in, you know, involved in politics with, 
that absolutely think Trump is terrible and they can't they can't stand Trump and they think he's a horrible person, which of course this indictment is about getting them on the front page of every newspaper with a picture of Stormy Daniels, which is exactly what they did before the last time he was elected president and was actually successfully installed in the office. Oh my gosh, he's paying off a porn star and having sex with a porn star. Oh, it's terrible. Well, I'm going to share something that we need to uh, focus in on. Our presidents are all men, and hopefully one day a woman. We are human beings. We have feet of clay. Every one of us, and I mean every single one of us, falls short of perfection. So when we impose upon a leader a Christ-like requirement in their conduct in an effort to discredit them, and it's not them that's being discredited, it's the ideas and policies that they're proposing and implementing. This is not about President Trump. It's about the policies and ideas that he holds near and dear to his heart and which are being tremendously fought and opposed by globalist forces. Whatever you want to say about Trump, uh, he, he obviously has a lot of globalist sentiment. He is concerned about the health and well-being of the American citizen, about the integrity of the American nation, about American manufacturing, work, all the things that made this country a functioning republic. Now, there are people that don't want that, and they're discrediting Trump, demanding of him perfection. And I want to say the people that then look at Trump as perfection and think he's some kind of messianic figure, both of these groups are the same but a little different. Both of these groups are the same but a little different. We're getting focused on a man when the real issue is the ideas and the primary idea that President Trump is espousing is the danger to the American public that is posed by what he calls the deep state. I would say they're Darwinists. My word for that is Darwinists, people that have no sacred honor, no faith. They believe in survival of the fittest. Therefore, it's all about them, and they are involved in a globalist architecture which benefits a minority of Americans, and I mean a few, a small number of people are at the top of this pyramid, and everybody else is at the bottom. And we, on a recent podcast, or I was recently talking about, actually, you know, uh, oh, yeah, it was a podcast that I did. I was I was interviewed um, on Please Call Me Crazy, and I said, look at that that pyramid on the American dollar. That's an interesting symbol. And uh, it's a Masonic symbol. And people have all these ideas about what this symbol means. But I like the mafia description of this symbol, which is money flows uphill and shit flows downhill. And what President Trump is espousing is a flattening of this pyramid so we have a much more broad-based distribution of success and wealth and prosperity and well-being than in that model which I would say is the, the colonial model or the crown model where you have a business 
that is really involved with slavery, slavery, drugs, and piracy. And I keep wanting to get back to this uh, racism issue, which underlies the whole thing, and they keep putting on the news and putting on the crisis, and we have to deal with these issues. I have to deal with them, and it helps me tremendously to, to talk with you about it. So we're going to always be trying to get back to the roots of how we got to where we're at. Because if we don't know how we got here, how are we ever going to figure out how to get out of this mess? We have to know how we got here. So we have President Trump indicted. First time, as you know, because it's everywhere in the news, it's first time in American history we've had a president, past or current president, indicted. Uh, now, this case, in, in my opinion, and I'm not representing myself to be a lawyer. I'm representing myself to be a person who reads. You know, interestingly, we have a crisis of credentialization in this country, and we're taught that we have to depend on experts. Well, you know, you can just read. And if you can read, you can figure out a lot of this stuff for yourself. And I prefer to figure it out for myself. And I ask you to do it. Now, obviously, I wished I lived in America where I could be watching television and going to the movies and going to the mall and hanging out with my kids and doing all the things that I like to do that are entertaining. But there comes a time from time to time where it's all hands on deck. And we're in that moment today. Right now, today, today, right now, today, the 31st of March, we are in a moment where if every one of us as American citizens do not pay attention, do not study, do not understand, do not wake up, do not get involved. If we do not do those things, we are going to wake up in a digital prison. It's already being constructed. I mean, the, the prison is constructed. They just, they're closing the bar door. It's getting caught. They're getting ready to put the key in the lock and turn it. And once that thing is turned, we no longer have a constitutional republic. And so on the one hand, they're indicting Trump, which is a great distraction, and I'm sure it's driving many of us crazy and rageful. And at the same time, we've got this new legislation. We played this beautiful um, uh, song uh, that Johnny Cash song, uh, sang before he died. He's been dead for quite a while. There's a beautiful music video. And, you know, he's saying, hey, you can run, but eventually you know, it's going to catch up with you. Now, he says God's going to catch up with you, but I'm going to say, for those of us that have not yet discovered faith, you can't run away from the truth, okay? You cannot, you can try, and you can run. As we saw with Senator Graham, when pressed by Jesse Waters and Fox News, which is no bastion of constitutional republicanism, I would say it's a globalist organization, and it's kind of in on it. But why is Fox News on the first day when this bill is dropped, going after the, the, the uh, sponsors of the bill. Because if you read this bill, which you can go download, I did. I downloaded it. It's 55 pages. You don't have to read all of it because the key parts, if you're good at you know, reading and you know, speed reading, you can pick it out real quick. Yes, there are protections in here. This is bill, Senate Bill 686 which on a bad day when I haven't slept a lot and I'm owly, I'd say, gee, it sounds like Senate Bill 666, but they just threw an aid in there 
because they wanted to screw with me. But let's 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 say nah, okay, forget that. Let's just say it's Senate Bill 686. I read this thing, I sped read it. I could see the real critical issues very quickly. There are a tremendous amount of protections and processes to protect the American people against the encouragement and the incursion of foreign governments and their proxies who might use the internet and other digital and uh, uh, computing means, artificial intelligence means, to influence, to subvert, to damage Americans, America, our infrastructure, our institutions, and that's all fine. That's great. But if you read the thing, you'll see that it's written up loosely enough that every device in this country, every digital device, will become controlled by the federal government, and every American citizen will be subject to the requirements of this bill, which means that dissent will be illegal. This bill would be the end of freedom of speech and the Bill of Rights in the Constitution of the United States. Now, here's what's interesting about that. Names, calling out names. This would be Senator Warner, Democrat from Virginia. Senator Baldwin, Democrat from Wisconsin. Senator Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia. This would be Senator Bennett, Democrat from Colorado. Senator Gillibrand, Democrat from New York. And Senator Heinrich, Democrat from New Mexico. Six Democrats are joined by six Republicans. That would be Senator Thune of South Dakota, Senator Fisher of Nebraska, Senator Moran of Kansas, Senator Sullivan of Alaska, Senator Collins of Maine, and Senator Romney of Utah. Now, this bill is unconstitutional. These senators... I would call them not Democrats or Republicans. I would call them globalists. Let's just call them globalists. And that's okay. It's just a, just a frame of mind. It's a group of people sitting on one, one corner at the intersection. Remember my, my metaphor? If you have four corners at an intersection and there's a brutal car accident, there's going to be four different descriptions of what happened. Okay, we got a street corner with a bunch of globalists, and they believe in a globalist governance. And we can talk for many, many, many podcasts about why, and there's many good reasons why. Unfortunately, it's quite clear to me, in my humble opinion, that the globalist architecture is corrupt and anti-human. We have a nationalist corner, street corner. That's another view of the thing. Okay, then we got a group of people that aren't paying attention. And then we got all of our enemies. And everybody sees this differently. But we've got this group of 12 senators that have proposed a radically unconstitutional legislative bill. It's ridiculous. It'll never get by the Supreme Court as long as the current court survives. Now, 
if something happens to the current court and its character changes, this kind of bill would be affirmed, and this would be the key going into the digital door lock and say goodbye to your freedom, okay? So for all the people out there who don't care about freedom, why would you care? For everybody else that cares about their well-being, because without freedom there cannot be well-being, you care about your personal well-being, your children's well-being, your community's well-being, and the well-being of this country, this thing should be actually not called the Restrict. Well, the Restrict Act is pretty good. It restricts your well-being. Unconstitutional. And we have an indictment of the president, which is bound to fail. That's also a, a scam. So what are we doing here? What we're doing is, is instead of proposing, promoting, creating, fostering well-being, our leaders are inciting violence. Because this is very, very, very triggering, right? And when people get scared, they do three things. They fight, they run, or they freeze. Look it up. I'm not making it up. That's what people do when they're, that's what every animal does. When an animal is threatened, it fights, it runs, or it freezes. Fight, hide, run away. I have this really sinking feeling that our leadership, that we elected to represent us, remember, we the people are the government. These are our leaders. They represent us. What they're representing to us is that we should go crazy. This is called crazy-making behavior. So I have an appeal. Let us not lose our cool. We're only at the front end of problems. It's going to get worse. It's going to get a lot worse. And if we're going to get through this as American citizens, if we're going to get through this with the community, and we're going to get through this and enhance our well-being, we're going to have to be very, very cool. The people that are concerned for this country and for its freedom and for the well-being of the people need not be incited to violence or incited to irrational thinking. We need to calm down and cool down. And what should we do? What will I do? When I say should, I like to stay away from should statements. Please forgive me. I will share an I statement of what I am doing. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to have faith in this constitutional republic. A constitutional republic is being stretched to the breaking point, no doubt. But it hasn't broken yet. It's functioning. We had three branches of government. We had a miracle in this 2022 uh, election, which was supposed to be this red tsunami. And as we've covered previously, we have a small little seven or eight seat advantage in the House that the Republicans eked out mostly by winning in New York, which if you think about that, that's a little strange, right? New York, five seats in Long Island. How did that happen? Maybe somebody wasn't minding the store. I don't know. But they won. That gives the Republicans in the House 
investigation powers, and the House is investigating. Now, the Democrats, when they had the House, they were investigating too, but they were on their street corner, their globalist street corner. We have some people in the House that are actually Americans. They're not citizens of the world. They're citizens of the United States of America, and that's their orientation. And I don't want these two groups to hate each other. I want them to learn from each other. This is politics. My goal is to go anywhere, at any time, in any place, to debate any globalist on any subject, because that's how I'm going to learn. I'm not looking to have violence or conflict. I'm looking for learning and growth and community and well-being. And that comes from listening and respectful dialogue. We want to dial down this very caustic rhetoric and have some faith in this constitutional republic that we have enjoyed, that we are, you know, some of us love. I love the founding document of this country. The founding documents of this country, if you read them, they're some of the most inspired, if they are they are some of the most inspiring prose and poetry ever ever put pen to paper in the history of the world. It's fantastic. And I urge you to read it and steep yourself in it because those are ideas. That's not about people or personalities. That's another thing that's pissing me off. When I watch MSNBC, which I do, and I suggest you watch it also because it's nice to know what they're talking about on that other street corner. Or let's say you're joining me and you're from that street corner. That's great. I want to know what all of us are saying to each other so we can learn from each other and correct each other's crazy thinking. And what the the uh, the MSNBC crowd is is saying is that this is all about Trump. Trump, 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 Trump. They're trying to make this entire process about a person. And my theory is, my belief is, it's not about Trump. It's about his ideas. Come on, if you go back through the history of our presidents, it is a, a carnival of clowns and capers and cads and just terrible people in their personal lives. But in their public lives, they were great leaders, some of them. And they did. They they became president of the United States, and they brought all their baggage with them. And some of their baggage was horrifying. Uh, Trump's no different. I'm not interested in Trump's personal life. I'm interested in the ideas Trump is espousing. And that crowd over at MSNBC is focusing focusing all of us on Trump because it's his ideas that they're really in conflict with. Because his ideas are in contradiction to the globalist governance sentiment, which has come to dominate our government and our world under the guise of the United Nations, health crisis, climate crisis. All of these crises cannot be solved by one nation alone. We need a global governance. Well, let me just share. The farther your governance gets from your house, the less it cares about you. I do not think the unelected administrators and technocrats in Washington, D.C. give a damn about what I care about. They are totally disconnected 
from the people. And whose fault is that? That would be mine. Mine. And when every one of us look at ourselves in the mirror and go, oh, this chaos and mess is my fault. I do not externalize and say, oh, it's that Lindsey Graham lying to Jesse Waters that he doesn't know about a bill that he sponsored. Come on. Come on. There's only two. We're back to that thing again. There's only two options here, right? This guy is incompetent, failing mentally. Maybe he's high. I don't know. That's one. Or he's just lying. It's got to be one or the other. I mean, come on. He's a senator. Is he keeping up with his work? Does he? If David Penn can read the bill in Minnesota, how can you be a senator and not know what's going on? That's like owning a business and not, not, not knowing what's going on in the warehouse. You go out of business. That's possible. They may not know what's going on. That is possible. And that's horrifying. But it looked to me like he was just not being straight. He was really struggling. He was in the cover-up mode. And that's why I played that uh, Johnny Cash piece to start out with. Because you can run. But it's going to catch up with you. Hey, it's catching up with you. So my preamble here today is please let's stay cool. Let's have faith in our constitutional process and the documents that underlie in the ideas, the ideas that underlie our lives. Our lives are composed of ideas. The ideas underneath this country that this country rests upon are sound. It is men that pervert those ideas. The ideas themselves are good. We have a problem of people. And when I say men, please excuse me, I also mean women. Because we have a lot of women that are involved in politics. And we have just as much horrifying problems there of people that do not have sacred honor. They are not telling the truth. And they are disconnected from the people who they are supposed to represent. Well, it's very easy. Go to the precinctstrategy.com. That's precinctstrategy.com. Learn about how to get involved in politics. Call me. I'll help you. Text me. You can go to your local political unit. You can knock on the door until they let you in. And if you knock long enough, you know, knock, 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 because they might not answer the first time you knock on the door. Again, could be malevolence. They could be vetting you, or they could just be uh, lazy. I don't know. But knock, knock, knock till they answer, and then ask to be admitted into you know the politics. And you notice when I talk about this, I don't say Republican or Democrat, because I personally do not think when we have twelve. See what happens when I get mad? Can't talk. We have twelve elected senators, the most powerful people in this country, proposing legislation which potentially criminalizes every single person in the country and takes control of every device in the country under the guise of protecting me? That's not protecting me. That's imprisoning me. I don't like it. Very simple. Get involved. I'm involved. And let's get rid of these people. Let's elect people that have some honor, some love, and some care about the well-being of the American people. You know, Rahm Emanuel, he was uh, the chief of staff for President Obama, 
when the financial crisis was going on in 2009, said, never let a crisis go to waste. He wasn't the first person to say that. He just took credit for it. I think it was Winston Churchill who first said it, a great Darwinist colonialist. But this is called taking the alleged China TikTok crisis. And, and Graham was right. China is in conflict with the United States. No doubt about it. And, and why would I say that? I've been there probably over 100 times, okay? So when we get into the China part of it, I'm not here to toot my own horn. I don't want to toot my own horn. But sometimes you have to tell people so they know you're just not making it up. I've been in China 100 times. So, I mean, I've studied Chinese culture since I'm 18 years old. I'm going to make a bold statement and say, I know this line of country as good as anybody. And I challenge any PhD who is in the foreign policy establishment, an expert on China, speak Chinese, whatever you want to do. Anytime, place, I'd love to talk to you. I could learn from you. I'm open to it. I'm not into conflict. I'm into resolution. But I'm talking about my China bona fides because I think I really know China. Uh, I know the people. I know the culture. I know the philosophy, the history. I know their business model. I know their military capabilities. I know their strategy, and I know what they want to accomplish. And how did I get that information? I studied it, and I was there. I was there. I'm still amazed at how our country does not understand what is going on in the world around us. But we're slowly coming into awareness. And part of my reason for podcasting is I would like to speed up and share with you, and I want to thank you for tuning in, and I want to thank the listeners and the viewers, and our engagement is growing. It grows every day. And I know one day we're going to have a big community of people, and it's going to be a well-being community. And when I say a well-being community, I'm only focused on what makes the American people have a better and more well-being life. That's all that matters to me. Nothing else matters. We've gotten off the track with uh, radical materialism and security and, you know, just all kinds of things that have nothing to do with what makes me feel good, what makes me whole, what makes my life worth living, what makes me look at the moment of my death back on my life and I'm going to say, wow, that was a good ride. And I don't think I can get that going down to the mall and buying tennis shoes. I don't think that's going to make me look back on my life and say, oh, that was great. I think it's really about my relationships with people, the understandings that I've gained in my life, my experiences, what I know of the infinite world, which I, I try to stay away from the word God because I know some of the people that are watching are not believing in God. And that's okay. We're all somewhere. But there is a, a spiritual world, a non-material world, that we know exists. We know it's out there. But we've become so focused on this material world that we've, we've crowded out our understanding and our connection to that spiritual world. And that's just, just being unbalanced. And when we're unbalanced, we're unwell. So one of the things I want to do here is talk more and more about you know how to reconnect to the spiritual, 
because it is a, a really a scientific process. It's a reproducible process that could be taught. It was taught up until Horace Mann started the progressive educational system. Remember, before Horace Mann, all of the education in this country was religious. That's how people were taught how to read and write. They were reading the Bible. They were living in nature. There's nothing more spiritual than living in nature with no, no running water and no electricity and having to grow your own food. That's, that's spiritual, and I'm going to tell you why. You know if you get a good meal, thank God for a good meal because that was not bought down at the grocery store. That was gained through the sweat and the blood and the toil of the American citizen. Our lives have changed. We're no longer living on the land. We have all kinds of conveniences, material conveniences, and this has changed the nature of our understanding of our spiritual life. We're unbalanced. We're too in our heads. We're too in the material world, and we've missed that unknown, unseen uh, uh, spiritual experience. I'll, t- I'll give you a story. This is a great. This is a famous story. So the the famous Indian chief Seattle went to a peace conference with the uh, U.S. the Union military, uh, and they were trying to convince Seattle to give it up and go to the reservation, as they had convinced so many other tribes to do. And when I say convinced, it was convinced through genocide. So the American general got up at the conference and he, he stood up and he took his sword and there, you know, he went on the ground, the dirt ground, and he, he drew a, he drew a, a pretty big circle. And then he said, this is what the Indian knows. And then he drew a giant circle, five times bigger whatever the proportion was, it was much bigger. And he said, this is what the white man knows. And Chief Seattle got up and he took a stick and he drew in the ground a giant circle that encompassed and surrounded the other two circles. And he looked at the American general and he said, this is what no one knows. That's a beautiful story of faith. And what we as the American people can discover is our faith in our constitutional process. And we need to practice our constitutional process by being involved in our political parties, be it Democrat or Republican, learning how to have a respectful dialogue with each other, listening to each other, seeking solutions. You know, this this balkanization, this separation, this division between the people It's not an accident. It's intentionally created. You go look at the maps in the Middle East, and you see all those straight lines in those countries. Countries don't have straight lines for borders. Those are artificially drawn borders. They were drawn by the British colonial empire, and they were drawn to put tribe against tribe, sect against sect, to create division, to create uh, hatred, such that the British uh, Empire could rule those peoples easy, more easily and extract the wealth, that would be the oil, and basically steal it. That would be called piracy. Piracy. Well, we have the same thing going on here. While we're hating each other, while we're not talking or listening to each other, 
while we're being pushed with incitement to possibly the brink of violence, and I'm going to say again, don't take the bait, okay? We're being baited by experts. All we got to do is say, ha ha, I'm not playing this game. I'm going to get in the game of politics. I'm going to express my will. And if we, the American people, care about our well-being and the well-being of our children, in one election cycle or two, we can sort this out. And we're going to have a moment coming up here where it's going to get awfully dark. The darkest that any of us have ever seen. Now, if you are right now watching me and you're living uh, close to the poverty line, and you don't have uh, financial resources, your life's not going to change very much when the ass falls off the donkey. But if you're up the food chain a little bit and you have a great pride in your material success, what they have in store for us is they're going to take everything we have. Inflation is just part of it. And, and let me just say um, what Senator Graham said at the beginning of this podcast, that China is attacking us, is absolutely true. And there's people that I know that say, what kind of attack? Where's the bombers? Where's the soldiers? Well, it's a different kind of an attack. It's a Darwinian attack. You know, we're Darwinists here in, in the West. You know, we're, we're, the, we're the spawn of the British colonial empire. Remember Spencer and Darwin and Galton? and the survival of the fittest, and social Darwinism, and eugenics, you know, that kind of thinking that permeated our entire intellectual world, all of our universities, all of our institutions. Well, guess what? Nine countries colonized China, uh, you know, 150 years ago. The Chinese were sorely exploited by the British. Horrifying. They didn't start it. They were just taking and exploiting their own people. They had not moved out into the Western world. The West went there, and really, piracy, drugs, slavery. You know, the piracy. We, the British took Hong, for example. The British just took Hong Kong away from them. They actually took part of their territory and said, it's ours now. Slavery. The Chinese people were exploited for their labor for forever. Just forever. They've been working at slave wages, and the, the production that those slave wages created have gone to the benefit of people all over the world. And drugs, my gosh, the opium wars. The British and the Americans flooded China with opium. Well, the Chinese have a memory. And I want to tell you something about the Chinese, because I do know them. They're not Christians. You know, the Christian, the Judeo-Christian um, tradition has a great emphasis on mercy and forgiveness. You know, forgive that we may be forgiven. Be forgiving. We have a whole infrastructure and architecture of, of reconciliation and forgiveness, and it runs through all of our legal system, and we don't have to go to court. We can have a mediation. You know, people misfunction psychologically. We have psychologists for them. You know, all the, these things don't exist in China. In China, they have the concept of face. Face. If you take someone's face in China, there's no forgiveness. That's a one-time-and-out deal. So 
The Chinese have a great memory. It's a almost 6,000-year culture, year old culture. They have a cultural memory. They know that the Darwinists came from Britain and with other colonial groups and subjugated the people of China. They know that the Japanese perpetrated a horrifying genocide in their colonial adventure into China. And they remember this. They remember it. And they say, okay, okay, kids. You won round you you won round one. Their round two was in China is since 1973 or 72 when Kissinger and Nixon opened China and met with Mao. Up until Xi Jinping, they basically hid their intention. They were very, very, very sophisticated in how they dealt with the West and America in particular. They were very friendly. And I'm not saying that Chinese people are not friendly. I have many good Chinese friends. I love Chinese culture. I love Chinese food. And I think Chinese philosophy is very, very sophisticated and very contributory to my well-being. And if you learned it, it would be contributory to your well-being also because they have a very holistic philosophy and they have a very natural philosophy. In fact, it's called by some people the natural way, and it's about man in harmony with nature. We're here in the West, we tend to try to dominate nature. The Chinese have more of a live in harmony with nature mindset and a very energetic mindset. You know, the energies of nature, how to be in harmony energetically. I think it's great, and it's a lifetime study. But they, having been exploited and, and, and suffering genocide, and they, they hid. They hid. They hid for a very long time. So Senator Graham is correct on that part. Uh, they, are, they have been in conflict, uh, and they just consider the war you know, was started by the British, and, and we thought it ended, and they never did. They're still fighting. You know, we thought that the war was over. No, <laughs> they didn't think so, which is not very different than the nature of religionists that the Roman Empire conquered going across Europe. We thought that war was over too. That war's ongoing. There's a lot of subterfuge in this world, and it takes time and study to see it. But a very good friend of mine says a man only gets his arm chopped off when he takes his hands out of their pocket. And right now in 2023, there's a lot of hands coming out of pockets. There's a lot of people reaching for the prize. So it's much easier to see what everybody's up to. And the Chinese, since Xi Jinping took over, have become quite um, direct and honest about their intention, which quite simply is they want to win the Darwinist game. And since we've been on the top of the hill since, uh, I don't know, maybe the end of the 1800s, and for sure after 1945, undisputed champion, maybe from 1880 through 1945, there was a little bit of fighting and jockeying. Who is going to be on top of the hill? But since 1945 until today, you know, the United States has been the undisputed champion of the king of the hill game. And we've had the benefit. My generation, the boom, the boomers have lived lives of incredible peace and prosperity. Unbelievable. Which is precisely why things have gone into the shit hopper. Because when things are really, really good, people get really, really lazy and selfish. And that's exactly what happened here. So as we've gotten more self-concerned, 
narcissistic, mentally ill, physically ill, overweight, don't want to work, hate each other, break down our families, drug addicts. I mean, I could go on and on. Our society, our, when I say our society, the individual units of the society, the people in the families are ill. We're ill. We're unwell. Whereas the Chinese people have maintained their family structure, have a focus on well-being, and they have a very homogeneous population, which is all focused on revenge. They want revenge for what the West and the Japanese perpetrated on them. So they've been fighting a, a war of subterfuge, what the Chinese call unrestricted warfare. And you can go look up, there's a book actually titled Unrestricted Warfare, which was written by two Chinese uh, military colonels, which talked about how to supplant the United States as the leading power in the world by using everything but military means, economic, legal, uh, currency, bioweapons, you name it, it's in the book. Everything we've experienced since 2000 is in that book. Now, that book could have been written by the CIA. I don't know. I'm not sure that two Chinese military colonels wrote that book because all I can do is find information on the Internet, and we have to be very aware that this bill, which gives the government full control of the Internet in all electronic devices, this is not starting this. This is ratifying it because our government has had control of these devices for a very long time. This bill just puts into law what has functionally been going on for a very long time. So I don't know if two military colonels actually wrote this book, but when I read Unrestricted Warfare, whoever wrote it, everything that we've gone through is in that book, and I've experienced a lot of it through my economic life and through my following of um, political economy and international trade. So I know that the Chinese have been engaged in a very long-term effort to subvert American hegemony. Now, who, who are we? We won World War II. We set up all these international institutions. Uh, we as Americans have been you know, taught that we're the greatest country in the world, the kindest, the most generous, the light to the world. You know, Without America, the world's going to go down the drain. And my generation is, is completely believing of that. And when you travel around the world, and I've probably traveled internationally a couple hundred times, when you travel around the world and you sit down in a restaurant with someone from Turkey or someone from India, and I'm not talking about anybody, I'm talking about someone who's interested in the same things I am, and you have an open dialogue with them, maybe over a beer or a scotch, maybe you're having a smoke with them because you want to do as they do, because I'll tell you, this is a little anecdote. You know, in China, when I first started going there, everybody smoked. And when I mean everybody, I mean everybody. And I'm not a smoker. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the Chinese uh, friend, my, my, my uh, partner in the, in, the, in the event, would reach over towards or hand over to me and he'd go, can I offer you a smoke? And he'd, there's this red pack of cigarettes called chunghuas which is the Chinese, it's the, Mar the Marlboro of China. And I say, no, nah, I don't smoke. And it pissed them off. And then the drinking would say, I don't drink. Oh, that pissed them off. And I learned that the reason it pissed them off 
is when I didn't smoke with them and I didn't drink with them, I was precluding the opportunity for them to prove to me how well they were. Because to smoke and drink, you must be well. So they wanted to display to me their well-being by poisoning themselves. Because only a person who is well has the strength to poison themselves. And I learned, I just learned that I was insulting these people and I didn't want to insult them. So we'd sit down and have a drink and a smoke and they'd talk to me and they would tell me about how they saw America. And it was not all good and it was not all bad. Some of it was wonderful. Some of the feedback that I got about our country was fantastic. But when you talk to people all over the world and you recognize the the empire that the United States really is, we're an empire. And we have, uh, I think, 350 18-hole golf courses that U.S. military maintains around the world. I'm not talking about military bases with planes. I'm just saying after hours, we're going to go play 18 holes. Of golf. After we've dropped our bombs, Bill, after we're done killing these people, when we land, I'll meet you at tea time, 9 o'clock. How's that sound? 350 golf courses like that to entertain our military when they're overseas. I think that's very humane of the U.S. military. But it gives me some scope of the size of our military adventure. 350 18-hole golf courses operated by the Department of Defense. It's a little bit mind-boggling. But we've created a, a, a uh, set of values and a, a control of world finance. And we have antagonists because anytime you're you know, in a Darwinist worldview where there can only be one person that's king of the hill, you're going to have competition. And we've had very little effort since right after the World War II period. Because after World War II, again, when 88 million people die in five years, there's a little bit of lip service about well-being for a while. And we had that. We had a period of time after the war where people were really concerned with well-being and living well and prospering. And we had a much better, more cohesive society for some. Now, of course, there's other people who are listening. They're going to say, hey, Pan, what about all these people who were not part of the American dream? And, of course, that's what a big part of this podcast is dedicated to, letting all of us know that there are groups in this country that have never participated in the well-being of being an American or the well-being of the Constitution. They've always been marginalized. And that that is not an indictment of our founding documents or institutions. That's an indictment of the men who have operated these institutions, their racism, their Darwinism. So when we sit at the top of the hill, of course there's going to be others that try to knock us off by any means necessary. So the Chinese have been prosecuting this long-term effort. And guess what? The war's been fought and it's over. Okay, now, some of you aren't going to like hearing this. But if you look at this banking crisis and this inflation, if you think about what's really going on here, our financial system is crumbling. We're overextended. And our entire strength was based on our most important export, which was the U.S. dollar. We've, we've, we've talked about Bretton Woods extensively. We know that after the World War II period, 
all currencies became based on dollars, that you know a system was put in place to uh, maintain a relatively healthy trading system and a, a smooth system of exchange uh, between countries for commerce, and that was based on the U.S. dollar, and that functioned for many, many, many decades, but it's not functioning now. And why it's not functioning now is we're no longer a fair arbiter or a fair leader of the financial system because we steal people's things. We impose what's called sanctions, and we cut people out of the international system because we don't agree with them, or we confiscate their their money, as we just did to the Russian Federation. We just seized some $300 billion of their money. It's piracy, okay? So when you start stealing people's things and you start cutting them out of the deal, you're forcing them. You're forcing them to find alternative ways of doing business. And China has been organizing alternative currency and security agreements with many other countries. And over the last few months, the last year, this has really blown up big time because the Chinese have successfully concluded a negotiation with the Saudis and the Iranians to trade for oil in the Chinese currency called the RMB. So we no longer have a U.S. petrodollar. We're no longer hegemonically in control. And all the countries in the world have been holding what's called uh, foreign reserves of dollars because all commodities and all international commerce has been conducted in dollars. And that's no longer the case. So now when these countries don't need these dollars anymore, what do you think they're going to do with their dollars? They're going to dump them. And when they dump them, the supply of dollars is going to increase even more. And inflation is going to rage. And we, the people, are about to suffer and suffer grievously for the sins of the people we've elected to lead us. And my comment about that is, okay, no harm, no fall. I made a mistake. I elected people that were either incompetent or malevolent. I really don't care which. The outcome is the same. I don't care which. I would like to see some lawyers and some historians dig into these people, like uh, Warner, Thune, Baldwin, Fisher, Manchin, Moran, Bennett, Sullivan, Gillibrand, Collins, Heinrich, and Romney, and determine why they're doing this. Because this is an anti-constitutional legislation. What, why are they doing this? Okay, that's for lawyers and historians to figure out. I really don't care. I'm looking at the outcome, which is not well-being, anti-well-being. So as you know, the politics that I've been espousing is the politics of well-being, which I think is based on absolute honesty and integrity and nonviolence. And why I say nonviolence and honesty is when I'm dealing with people who are both liars and emotionally or physically violent, and I pick up their strategy, I'm undermining my well-being. Because my well-being is based on honesty and peace. I, you know, you cannot maintain well-being if you're, you know, in mortal combat. You could get killed, which is the opposite of well-being. So I'm very committed to uh, the honesty of how I talk with you and 
how I do politics here in, in Minnesota. And I'm trying to spread that. I'm trying to spread the, every time I have a community open meeting, you know, I try to talk about the importance of uh, well-being and honesty and nonviolence because I want the environment to change from lying and malevolence and scheming and plotting and unwellness because that really deters you and me from wanting to hang around with people like this. I don't want to hang around with bad people. I, that's why we're not doing it. That's why I didn't do it in the younger part of my life because I don't want to hang around with, with assholes, okay? It's no fun. So as more good people come into the game and they are committed to honesty and integrity and nonviolence and listening and thoughtful dialogue and, and soaring rhetoric and beautiful composition, and we seek to learn from one another, which is different than defeating one another. See, the Darwinist sentiment is there's a winner and a loser. It's a survival of the fittest. There is an element of truth to that, as I've said. But we've eliminated the spiritual side where the lion lays down with the lamb, where we're brothers and sisters in a well-being community. We need to balance this out. And when more of us come into politics that are really concerned for the health and well-being of the American people as individuals, the experience of being political will go from one of kind of agony to one of uplift. And that's really my most important goal right now in my political activity is to create a political process where people actually gain well-being through their participation in the political process. And part of that is forming a community, which I'm doing with you here today. And if you like what you're hearing, please click that subscribe button. And if you're involved in politics in any way, shape, or form, please send this out to everyone you know and ask them to subscribe so we can get this movement rolling. We can build up Free People Radio and Free People of America so that we actually can create an alternative to this Darwinism. Because this Darwinism never stops. Chinese have won this war. Why do I say that? Because the dollar is no longer king. We no longer have king dollar. We now have a multipolar world, but we have elites in this country, and we have the American people completely bought into U.S. hegemony, U.S. dominance, U.S. king of the hill. So unless we reel this in and we understand that there's been a war that's been fought and we didn't even know what was going on, and we've lost this war and accept that we've lost it, and focus inwardly on our well-being and regain our strength, regain our well-being, we're not in a position to continue on. The rug is being pulled out from underneath us. And that's why we've got bills like this and the indictment of President Trump. Because if they can convince us, and when I say they, they got names. Warner, Thune, Baldwin, Fisher, Manchin, Moran, Bennett, Sullivan, Gillibrand, Collins, Heinrich, and Romney. If they can convince us that this bill is for our well-being and it passes, or even if it doesn't, if we just go nuts because of it, 
If this indictment of President Trump leads to more division, more incitement to violence, the breakdown, the failure of our leadership to maintain us in good standing of well-being will be obscured by the breakdown of our society. And instead of us accepting our unwellness and seeking to heal ourselves, we'll get more unwell and, hey, never let a good crisis go to waste. They're going to impose all kinds of controls upon us to protect us from ourselves. Think about how crazy that is. I don't need my government to protect me at all. I'm going to say this again. I don't want my government to protect me. The police, in a local level, are allegedly there to protect me. But if you've ever needed the police, you know they show up after the problem's done. They're there to clean up the mess and to keep things from getting worse. So I have to be prepared to protect myself. On a national level, of course my government is to protect my border, to create a border, to create a barrier so that I have a country. And as we know, our government's not doing it. So they're not protecting my border. So please, don't protect me. Because what you're doing is killing me. We need a big change. A big change. And that change is going to come when we, the people, get involved in the game of politics, find people that have honor, that care about our well-being, and we elect them. And there's going to be many people, including one of my best friends who's going to watch this. And he's going to say to me, it won't matter because the elections are rigged. And I love this friend of mine. He's really one of my closest friends. And I listen to him. And I've sat here and hauled up 38 pages from Wikipedia, where Wikipedia, which is no conservative organization, documents all of the election interference that's gone on over the years all over the world. And I said, where's this capability? There's a lot of capacity here. What are they doing with it? I don't know. But I want to say to my friend and everybody else, I believe that this is getting so bizarre and so unwell. And when this rug gets pulled out from underneath us financially, and those of us that have had some material success, because again, if you've never had material success, you've already been beta, you've already been the beta test of slavery, drugs, and piracy. You got nothing. In fact, you probably came here as a slave. So you've never been in on the American dream. But let's say those of us that are in on it and have a house and have a car and have some financial independence, when all that gets ripped away from us, we're going to have to stand up and protect our well-being. So there's going to come a moment here very soon where I say to my friend, if we do this right politically, it has nothing to do with party. It's not a Democrat or Republican thing. Six Democrats, six Republicans proposing the end of the republic. It has nothing to do with party. It has to do with the American people concerned one for another, fighting for our well-being and our prosperity and our peace. And I think a tsunami wave could build up that's so big and so overwhelmingly 
convincing that we could reach a point where we actually have a consensus in this country about moving forward as a community focused on the well-being of the American people. Like, why are we involved in all these wars all over the place? What is the benefit to me? And I've said we got to talk about Ukraine. What's the benefit to me with this continuously escalating war in the Ukraine? I don't know how it's benefiting me. I don't know why I'm financing it. I'm getting taxed for it, and we don't have any money. I don't have any money, and they're taxing me for it. What are we doing here? This is crazy. What about all these other conflicts? In fact, Tanner, could you play this one? Iran attacks the USA and Syria, please. Escalating tensions in Syria. One U.S. service member was wounded in the latest Iranian-backed attacks on Americans. There have now been five attacks in the past two days. President Biden saying the U.S. does not seek conflict, but vowing to protect Americans in the region. About 900 troops and additional American contractors are still there fighting ISIS. Here's ABC's Alex Prochet from Washington. Tonight, ABC News learning of a new drone attack against a U.S. base by Iranian proxy forces in Syria. The drone attacking a U.S. base at approximately 2.19 a.m. local time, but causing no injuries or significant damage. It's the fifth attack since Thursday. Iran warning, we have the upper hand and we have the ability to respond if the U.S. continues to retaliate against their forces in the region. But President Biden is vowing to defend U.S. personnel, cautioning there could be further consequences for the Iranian groups if the assaults continue. Mr. President, Iran keeps targeting Americans. Does there need to be a higher cost, sir? One attack Friday left one U.S. service member injured. They're in stable condition tonight. The escalation ramped up on Thursday. U.S. officials say an Iranian drone loaded with explosives detonated on a U.S. base in northeast Syria, killing an American contractor, injuring another contractor, and five U.S. service members. The U.S. retaliated hours later, sending F-15s to destroy two Iranian-backed facilities housing drones and vehicles. Make no mistake, the United States does not, does not emphasize, seek conflict with Iran, but be prepared for us to act forcefully, protect our people. There are around 900 U.S. service members and many more U.S. contractors still in Syria fighting ISIS in the region. These Iranian-backed groups have now attacked to disrupt U.S. operations in the area. Jonathan, there have been around 80 of these attacks since 2021, drawing criticism from some Republican lawmakers that say President Biden hasn't done enough to deter them. Still tonight, the White House telling us the president will never hesitate to defend our personnel overseas. Jonathan. Oh, this is so interesting. You know, I asked myself, what are 900 American service members and an unknown greater number of mercenaries, contractors, doing over there in Syria. You know, Syria is a, just a hodgepodge of groups vying for control. You got the Syrian government, the Alawite government there of Assad. He's a player. The Turks are in the region. They're over at the Turkish-Syrian border, which, by the way, just got crushed by an incredible earthquake. You got the Kurds playing up in there. You got all kinds of uh, 
uh, various uh, Islamic groups, which they call ISIS. You got the Russians there. You got the U.S. military. You got six groups at war over there. Why are we there? Why are we, the people, involved in Syria? What has that got to do with Arkansas or Florida or Oregon? Why are we there? I'm going to tell you why we're there. It's really great business for a handful of people. The last business that's working in this country, well, there's two businesses that are still working. Drugs and the military-industrial complex. Those two businesses are still profitable, holding up the whole deal, okay? So we're over there dropping bombs, killing people. American people are getting injured and killed. Why? Okay, so we're all over the world with these wars. We can't afford to do it, and we're going to find out very quickly why we can't afford it. Tanner, can you play this next little piece? It's kind of a long piece, so we're going to stop someplace along the way in there on the Iron Triangle. A new world order is emerging, a new axis of world powers with common grievances and one common enemy. No prizes for guessing which one, the United States of America, a country which has for decades tried to shape our world in its image and established its preeminence. In almost every facet of power, be it military, economy, technology, culture, or morality for that matter, it is America the world looks up to all thanks to its global influence networks and, of course, the American PR machinery. But what if I tell you that things are changing, that America's global empire is crumbling, the hegemony of Western nations is dying, and a new alliance is looking to replace it, an alliance led by three countries, Russia, China, and Iran, the three most sanctioned countries in the world. They seem to have formed a rather informal alliance of convenience, a loose alliance of sorts which the West is calling a troika of tyranny and a triad of bullies. What have they done to deserve such titles and can they really reshape the prevailing world order? Or will they instead push the world into further disorder? And above everything else, where does India fit in this new axis? Does it have any reason to worry? We'll find out over the next few minutes. Hello and welcome to Gravitas Plus. My name is Priyanka Sharma. A new global alliance is now in the making, an alliance between China, Iran, and Moscow. They're forging their strategic, defense, and economic ties. It doesn't take a genius to notice the pattern. Just look at some recent developments. Ever since Russia invaded Ukraine, the three countries have come closer. Yes, China is uncomfortable with the war but it still provides Russia with a diplomatic umbrella. It is also helping Moscow economically by rejecting the G7's price caps on oil. The same case with Iran. It is still buying Russian oil and sending weapons in return. Yes, for the last one year, Tehran has sent countless kamikaze drones. And if reports are to be believed, it might just send ballistic missiles by this October. These deals are being accompanied by state visits. Leaders and officials from all three countries have been frequently flying to each other's capitals. In July last year, the Russian president went to Tehran. He met his counterpart, Ibrahim Raisi, and discussed strengthening bilateral ties. Contrary to expectations, Iran didn't downplay this visit. 
In fact, it rolled out a red carpet for Vladimir Putin. The Iranian oil minister personally went... That's good, Tanner. Thank you. I think we all get the point here. We all get the point, and the point is that there's a new group in town, a new, a new crime boss, which is President Xi, and maybe President Putin. I mean, this is called the Iron Triangle. And I think relative to my comment that the war has been fought and it's over, is it's, it's the whole Shanghai Cooperation Agreement. That was an Indian uh, news source. India's actually uh, aligned with this Shanghai Cooperation Group. Uh, it's many countries, you can look it up. And these countries are all going to, what they call de-dollarize. They're all going to get off the U.S. dollar because all this money printing that we all know is going on here is creating inflation all over the world. We've lost the legitimacy of the arbiter of world currency, and these people are just forming their own deal. Plus, we're sanctioning these countries and stealing their money, which, of course, is going to induce them to start their own deal. So now, for example, in, um, in Saudi, the Saudis have agreed to take payment for their oil in RMB. So there's no dollars involved. There's no petrodollar. And they're going to get paid for their oil in Chinese currency. And then what the Chinese have done is they built this thing called Belt and Road. And I'm sure you've heard this word before. If you haven't heard it before, Belt and Road. Sounds very opaque. What is Belt and Road? And I've made a note to myself. For the rest of my life, anytime I hear something I don't understand, I'm going to go look it up. Because by the time I figure it out, it's probably too late. And that's exactly what our leaders, our PhDs, our university professors, our scholars, they missed this. They lost. And here's what happened. The Chinese have gone out and built infrastructure all over what's called the World Island. The World Island is the Eurasian landmass, Europe and Asia, the center of the world where most of the population is, most of the resources are. And they've got rail running everywhere. They don't need to truck, they don't need to transport their finished goods because, of course, there's a, they're a manufacturing powerhouse. And that powerhouse was created by who? The United States. We taught them and we financed it. So let's not blame the Chinese for our own decisions. We made a play. They had subterfuge. They didn't tell us what they were up to. We thought it was kumbaya, and we got to the end of the story, and guess what? We got played. And I remember President Trump was saying when he was president, I don't blame the Chinese, I blame our leaders, which is precisely why they hate him so much. Our elites hate Trump because he's pulled the curtain back on their stupidity, possibly on their evil and malfeasance too. But again, that's not my line of country. That's for lawyers and historians to figure out. But what President Trump said was, hey, this is not working. We need another plan. And boy, did they make him into a philanderer. Uh, don't listen to him. He likes porn stars. Hey, hey, you're a guy out there and you're watching this? Cast the first stone, would you? You without sin on this female thing, on this, this porno thing? You're out there, you're a guy, you're sinless, you get up there and you cast the first stone. Let's be honest about ourselves, okay?
Now, what we can learn from this is that's very unwell. What we can learn from this moment in time is that being involved in this way between the sexes generates a lot of unwellness. Our conduct has to reach a more refined level so that we can heal ourselves. This is unwell. I'm going to say to all the boomers out there, hey, hey, 1973, every girl in every high school was suddenly on the pill. Hey, we started this. We have to take responsibility for it. So let's not be blaming anybody. Let's look at our own. I'm looking at my own personal conduct, and I'm interested in what I'm doing today, and I need grace and forgiveness, and I forgive other people, and I want to be forgiven. And all of us that have lived in this materialist, post-World War II area of uh, unrestricted freedoms, uh, you know, let's not be blaming President Trump. So, you know, the elites are trying to make him horrifying so that nobody listens to what he's saying. And what he's saying is, don't blame the Chinese. Our elites got played. They were dumb. They had PhDs. They graduated from Columbia and Harvard and Princeton and Yale, and they were so friggin' smart. And they were played for suckers. And we all are going to suffer. So let me tell you what I think. I think. If the elites are so obviously deficient in leadership, we, the American people, need to step up with our wisdom, with our innate natural understanding, with our care one for the other, with our natural goodness, and step up into this political process and replace these people. All we got to do is replace them. We don't have to have any violence or wars. Whatever happened, whatever unwellness we have to suffer, we bought it. We, we, we bought the ticket. We're taking the damn ride, okay? But it's not forever. The ride we're about to go on of suffering, because what's happened with the Saudis and this RMB thing, and no more petrodollars is, they're going to buy that oil and pay for it in RMB, and then they're going to ship their finished goods, and the Saudis are going to pay them back with that RMB. That's called what the Chinese call a good circulation. Chinese call that a good circulation, healthy circulation, healthy, well-being, well-being. Now they have it with the Iranians too, and they have it with many other countries. And what do all these countries have in common? And I'm going to tell you they have one common denominator because they speak different languages. Some of them are very religious countries, like Iran is a religious, it's a theocracy. Some of them are completely anti-God, which is China. There's no God in China at all, no, no religion. Different, different languages, different cultures, different histories. What do all these countries have in common? They were all exploited by a business model perpetrated by the colonial powers of slavery, drugs, and piracy. And they all decided after hundreds of years of being exploited, hey, guess what they said? And I try not to swear. So imagine what I'm saying. What they're saying is, F you. We're not going to be waltzed around by slavery, drugs, and piracy. If there's any slavery, drugs, and piracy going on here, we're going to run it. And that's exactly what they're doing. I'm not saying that they're greater than us. They're just taking that slavery, drugs, and piracy model, and they knocked us off the hill with their version. And that makes our elites very fearful and very desperate. And so what they're trying to do, in my opinion, is create so much chaos in our society 
that their failure to provide for the well-being of the American people is obscured so that the very people that cause the problems from which we suffer can ride in on the white horse and provide us with an answer, a solution. And if we're at war with ourselves and we are out of control, they're going to have a very good reason to clamp down and provide even more security and safety. Every device and every person is under the control if this bill passes. But it's not going to be constitutional if our current Supreme Court maintains its integrity and its composition. So let us remember, there's no reason to blame anybody. Let us not blame anybody. Let us take responsibility ourselves. I take responsibility myself. I'm involved in the game of politics. I don't say that it's fun all the time. Uh, I do meet some really wonderful people. I've made some great friends. It is a community. Politics is a community. Politics is about building a community of people that listen to each other, talk to each other, work together for the community good. If we're doing it properly, I'm trying to avoid the should statement, but if it's done correctly, it's all about improving the well-being of the people. And when we improve our well-being in a group setting, this fosters bonds of friendship and, 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 and really uplift for everybody involved. So there's nobody to blame. And let's not look back and be cast in stones because we're all at fault with this. We are the government of the United States. We, the people, in order to form a more perfect union, we are the government of this country. These people that are elected are our representatives. They're not the government. They're just there to represent our interests so we can go about our daily lives. And because they have failed to represent our interests, we need a mass awakening and political engagement by the American people, the, such, the, the likes of which has never been seen before, so that we can right our ship of state. And if we are willing to do that work, if we are willing to listen to each other, to love one another, to be focused on well-being, to not label, to not judge, to be inclusive and open-hearted, and start right where we're at. I mean, we're not going to be getting rid of any of these. Hey, if you are for genocide, you are definitely a Darwinist. The people that are here illegally, we're not going to kill them or expel them. We have to help them discover the grandeur and the majesty and the mystery and the, 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 the uh, divinity of our American foundational documents. We have to create a world in which they want to participate in the American system. We have to identify the people that are actually working against that beautiful divine system where a creator grants us natural rights. We can identify those people. We can just elect other people. It doesn't have to be violent or, or uh, full of conflict or full of animus and hatred. and That's not helpful. What's helpful is we get involved, we build com communities of love and understanding, of listening, 
and eloquence, and we go about our business to make our lives better, the lives of our children's better, the lives of our neighbors better, and we talk that way, we think that way, and very soon, after we suffer, whatever we're going to suffer now, and we are suffering, we just suffered this COVID thing, over a million Americans were labeled as dying from COVID. I don't want to litigate that issue, but we, I had my best, my very best friend died of COVID. So I know there was a disease, and I know it killed people. I mean, this was a horrifying thing to go through. Now we're going through this inflation. We're on the verge of nuclear war. We don't realize the economic uh, hardship we're about to suffer because of the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative and the de-dollarization of the countries that are involved in the Shanghai Cooperation Agreement. We're going to suffer some big economic changes. But let us not lose hope or faith. In fact, this is the time to find our faith. And let me leave you with, with a thought that occurred to me that I, I, I've, I've had close to my heart since I was in my 20s. I have found that the most beautiful moments of my life, when I've learned the most, are the moments when I've suffered the most. And I say to those of you out there who have never really suffered, God bless you because you haven't suffered. That's great. And for those of us out there that have suffered and recovered, God bless you for your healing. And for those of us that are suffering today, God bless you for your potential to heal. But in those moments when we're most exposed, most desperate, where we cannot rely on ourselves, when our own resources are not up to the task that we face, and we are forced to find an infinite strength to lift us up. It's those moments when we're most ennobled as human beings. And if we can realize where we're headed as the American people to a moment where this is really out of control and over the edge, indicting a, a former president, you know, legislation that really ends the republic, when we're at a moment where it's just chaos beyond anything we've experienced, it, you know, really probably unprecedented, that we can pray, that we can actually go inward and find strength within and share that strength one with another and build communities of well-being such that we can restore a, a, an American community that's good for the people. So I want to thank you for listening. Uh, it's my pleasure and honor to speak with you. I look forward to your comments back, which I, I really do enjoy very much. If you like this, please pass it out, spread it out, click that like button, help me build this community. I want to thank you, and I look forward to seeing you soon again.